to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 32, and today we are talking about some of our favorite fiction books of 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Yay! My fellow well redhead, <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, I'm just, I'm recovering from a cold. I feel okay, uh, but I know I don't sound like myself. I'm hoping that I'm leaning towards the like Kathleen Turner husky voice as opposed to, it was real bad over the weekend. Uh, so here we are. I'm happy that I can talk. These are great books. I don't know about you, but I rearranged my list like 500 times. It was really hard to pick. It was so hard. Yeah. Such a just embarrassment of riches in books this year. And we gave ourselves lots of room because we did the best debuts show and this is the best fiction show. And next week we'll have the best nonfiction show. And I'm still like feeling sad that there are books that I had to leave out. And you did your best 100 books of the year on Twitter last week. That was fun. What was the hashtag? Uh, 2015 damn good books. Okay. People should find that. There's lots of good stuff there. It was really, really fun. It took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I was like, oh, I'll just sit down and I'll tweet like 25 an hour. But then I forgot that <laughs> you have to, I wrote little blurbs about each one and I had to like compose them and make them just the right amount of characters. And also I was working while looking directly into the internet, which is never good. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? And people are like, are you still writing these? I'm like, give me a break. I remember getting to like 5 or 6 p.m. on that day, and you were at like number 46. Yeah. And I was like, she's still going. It took 12 hours. I did have a lunch break. I had a long, long, leisurely lunch break, but it was really fun. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I was like, I can't pick 100 because, you know, I read a lot of books this year. So I was like, I'm just going to tweet the first 100 I could think of. And then immediately it was like, oh, but this one. Oh, but this one. So... I don't know. All Everything I can do about is this scenario is just bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But I did right. I did pick five today. Although Good girl. I'm not gonna talk about the library at Mount Char because I've talked about it five hundred thousand times on like all these different places. But I know somebody got mad at me for not talking about Sorcerer to the Crown on the Book Riot, uh, the regular Book Riot podcast on the holiday recommendations show. And I was like, but I've talked about it nine hundred times yeah. and I'm trying to keep things interesting. Yeah. I want everybody to have a chance. So what's your first favorite fiction book of the year? Ooh, this is one that I haven't talked about yet um, because somehow it got by me. Like, I didn't get to it before it came out, and so I read it a few weeks later, and it's so good. It's called Harriet Wolf's Seventh Book of Wonders by Juliana Baggett, and it's fabulous. It's about this woman. I bet you can't guess what her name is. Um, <laughs> uh, Harriet Wolf. Yes! Oh, you win a cookie. Um, and she is... Uh, an author. She's like an author like J.K. Rowling. Like, she's super famous. She's written this series of books. They're kind of children's books, but they're like the books that people grew up with and they love them so much. And there's, there's, there's a series of six of them. And she has passed away. And her daughter is now in charge of her estate and all the stuff. And her daughter's name is Eleanor. And she's, she and her mother didn't have a very good relationship. Like, it was quite contentious and they didn't get along. Um, Eleanor hates the Harriet Wolf Society. There are people who are just, you know, they want to talk about her mother all the time, come to her house, they show up. And there's also a rumor that there is actually a seventh book that has yet to see the light of day. And so people are always pestering her about that. She just wants to be left alone. She lives with her younger daughter, Tilton, who is a special snowflake. She is quite delightful and unusual and definitely under her mother's thumb. 
uh, she has an older sister named Ruth who did not get along with Eleanor and ran away from home when she was 16. Um, and she feels bad about leaving Tilted alone with Eleanor. So it goes back and forth between present day and you get the backstory of Harriet Wolf. She was given up for adoption. Uh, they sent her to the Maryland School for the Feeble-Minded uh, because they apparently didn't have a nicer thing to call it. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah. But she grew up there. She met a boy. She fell in love. They had an amazing relationship. And you're learning the story of their their love while trying to sort out what Eleanor and Ruth and Tilton are going through uh, in the present day. And if there is, in fact, a seventh book. Um, it's so good. I was just like, oh, 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 reading the whole thing. It's very uh, John Irving. Like, if you like John Irving. Ooh, yes. Because it's, it's, there's, like, weird things going on. You know, it's not, like, normal every day. This happens to everybody and their family stuff. Um, yeah, I just, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I'm so glad I caught this. Like, I just was so glad I, I'm like, I don't know how I missed this. We should do a clip show of all your favorite books that contained books and libraries this year. Oh, <laughs> we can just do it now. <laughs> just change of plans. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to talk. It's fine. Yeah, your voice is going. I'll just talk about all the books within books. <laughs> you know, there was a book of speculation. Um, I've forgotten all the rest, but <laughs> it's a really good show. Woo. Yay. <laughs> okay. Before I do my first pick, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. The folks at FabFitFun are back. Uh, you should probably remember us talking about them this fall. FabFitFun is a subscription box with premium full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. So this is not like a sampler of an eyeshadow that you can use twice and then it goes away. You get full-size great products in this. The box comes out once each season and they're shipping their winter box now. Every box retails for $49.99 but always has a value over $200 and the winter box is worth $312. So if you spend the $49.99 for the winter box, you get six times plus some of your value. Go to fabfitfun.com to subscribe. This would make a great gift for someone in your life, either just a one-time or setting them up with a subscription. Some of the things in the winter box include body cream, a wine stopper and wine charm set, um, a scent diffuser for your house. Um, you get some earbuds. You get a $40 Sweet and Spark gift card. If you don't know, Sweet and Spark is an online store that sells curated vintage jewelry from the 50s up through the 90s. You also get a $25 Shop Teaks gift card. So you've already got $65 in gift card value that exceeds the $49.99 you pay for the box, plus all the stuff. There's skincare, there's fitness stuff. Um, I really loved the fall box. I've talked several times about the mask that I got in it. There was a great umbrella. There was a phone charger. The folks over at FabFitFun are really thinking about all of the different aspects of particularly women's lives. This is definitely a product that's geared towards women. Uh, and they're looking at what are the products that make all of those aspects better, more enjoyable, more well-rounded, whatever. Uh, so go to fabfitfun.com to get all the information. Use the coupon code BOOKS to save $10 on your first box. That means your first box will cost you $39.99 and it's worth $312. I just can't quite wrap my brain around that. That's pretty awesome. So again, it's fabfitfun.com. Use the coupon code BOOKS to save $10 on your first box. That lets them know that we sent you. It also saves you $10. And uh, we like to thank them for sponsoring the show and hope they'll be back. Woo-hoo. Woo. 
<clears throat> That's like my saddest little woohoo, but I really do like that product a lot. Um, my first book, and I rearranged my picks. Like I changed the five titles a bunch of times. I rearranged them in different orders a bunch of times. It was really tough to pick what was going to be the thing that I talked about first, but I think it has to be this book. It's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff, one of the big novels of the year. Also President Obama's favorite novel of the year. So I'm dusting my mm-hmm. shoulders off that he and I have some taste in common. He and I and like a million other readers who love this kind of thing. Uh, But I'm happy to be in that club. Uh, This is a novel about a couple who meet in college, Lotto and Matilda. He is a golden boy. He's the life of the party. He's a talented actor. Everybody loves him. She is, you know, quiet, tall, stoic. She's somewhat mysterious. They seem to balance each other very well. Um, They fall for each other very quickly. They get married very quickly. And the book follows the next several decades of their life together. Lotto becomes a playwright. Uh, He struggles and struggles and struggles to have his first success. Matilda works backbreaking jobs, um, really paying their bills so that he can try to be an artist. And unbeknownst to him, she's getting up at night secretly editing his plays. Um, They seem like this complimentary pair, but really she has untold depths thoughts and feelings about their relationship that he never knows. He keeps secrets, or at least he keeps, he thinks he's keeping secrets, but there's stuff that she knows about him. Um, Amanda, our colleague, was on one of the Boston NPR affiliates last week talking about best books of the year. And when she talked about this one, the host said, doesn't he know that she's getting up? Like, doesn't he notice the differences in his writing and that it must be her that makes him great? And uh, Amanda very accurately said, no, he just assumes his own genius, uh, which is totally accurate for a lot. Something happens. And after we see his rise to fame, really bringing back that golden boy stuff, um, the book shifts and we get Matilda's perspective. And we find out about how she felt about their life together, what she really did in all their years together, what her secrets were. It's about marriage. It's about identity, your individual identities, and the ways that identities bend into that we of being married. It's about anger. Um, it's about, you know, not it's not necessarily a feminist novel, but it's about some of the things that happen to women in marriages that... Um, perhaps can and should be changed. And it's about how marriage identity and anger are all tied up together. The story is essentially a Greek tragedy, but written in modern times. It also contains texts of a bunch of Lotto's plays. So Lauren Groff wrote this big, beautiful, amazing novel. And then she also wrote sections of plays that she thought up out of nothing and created that live inside the book. It's just really incredible. The story pulls you right along. The writing is really gorgeous. Um, such a Her books have everything that I've read of hers has been really wonderful, but this felt like a big breakout step up. Like, look how serious I am about what I do and how good at it I am. A sort of move that Lauren Groff made. I couldn't be more excited for the success that the book has had. And again, that's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. On next week's episode, scripts within a book. (laughs) I'm so excited about all of your picks because they're all amazing and it meant that I didn't have to pick them. I got to pick like five other things. I am excited about your picks because I read so much less than you do that I was like, okay, Liberty's taking those things. And that means that I can actually pull from my top five. I would do whatever you want. What's up next for you? My next book is, I think I talked about this on the halftime show. I think, I think it's called The Jaguar's Children by John Ballant. He wrote The Tiger, which 
I've mentioned a oh, million times. That. Oh, it's probably like my favorite nonfiction book of the last ten years, at least in the top three. It's so good. This is his first novel, and it takes place in Mexico, and it's about a guy named Hector who gets in a little bit of trouble with some criminals in Mexico, and so he needs to leave the country. So he hires a coyote, which is uh, the term that they give to people who sneak people into the United States. Um, and he gets in the back of a box truck with a few other people, and they set off on their trip. And somewhere along the way, the coyotes, for whatever reason, abandon the truck with all these people locked in the back of it. Ugh. And so now he's trapped in the back with these people. They're running out of air, food, water, everything you can think of. Um, he finds a cell phone, and he calls a number on it, and gets a voicemail and starts telling the story of how he ended up in the back of this truck and the story of his grandfather who worked with an archaeologist on a dig and just all these amazing tales. Um, they're just It's just so beautifully written. And it's also heartbreaking, and it's true. Like, just this summer there was another case where the, these coyotes abandoned people, you know, and they found this truck full of, of people. It was horrible. Um, it's He's such a magical writer. And I really hope that he writes another novel because I, I absolutely loved this. Um, it's sad and it's interesting and just absolutely fabulous. I am losing all my words right now <laughs> as we're speaking. Um, but I just, it's it came out in January and I just really feel like books that come out at the beginning of the year, probably like also movies and albums, they get a lot less attention towards the end of the year because they're not fresh in people's minds, you know, for most people's <laughs> minds. So I really want a lot more people to pay attention to this book um, and again, it is called The Jaguar's Children by John Valiant. That's coming out in paperback really soon. Yes, I think so, yes. That'll be a good book club pick. Okay, my next one, speaking of sad, is A Little Life by Hanya <laughs> Yanagihara. <laughs> this is probably the most discussed or at least the most argued about novel of the year. It's huge. It's more than 700 pages. Uh, this is the story of four friends who met in college, uh, four men. It follows them through the next several decades of their lives in New York together. At the center of the story, though, is Jude. Uh, we get perspective. We get you know narrative from all four of the, the guys, but Jude is really the heart of the story. And and interestingly so, um, within the group, no one knows very much about him. These people have been friends for years and years, but they don't really know much about Jude's childhood. They know that it was bad. They know that he doesn't like to talk about it. So it's by design that Jude's friends don't know nearly as much about him as he knows about them. And that creates a weird sort of power shift dynamic that uh, a lot of the weight in the group lives with Jude. <clears throat> They all know that he's damaged. They're all afraid of pushing or breaking him, but everyone wonders what it is that happened to Jude. Um, through the novel, we see Jude's relationships. We see his career. He grows uh, He grows up after college to become a very successful lawyer. Um, we see that he has a constant struggle against depression and suicide and self-harm. Uh, all of those things happen on the page, so trigger warning. Um, I failed to give a trigger warning about that to a friend, and I still feel really bad about it. So uh, trigger warning for those things. There's an abusive relationship or two that happen on the page, so know that that occurs. We gradually learn across these 700 plus pages exactly what happened to Jude in his childhood and exactly how brutal and unbearable it was. And brutal is the word for it. Um, this is a just hold your breath because it keeps getting worse sort of book. Um, it being the stuff that happens to Jude, the writing is incredible. The book is very good. It was the most emotionally demanding thing that I think that I've ever read. Um, 
a million people wrote that essay this year. I'm definitely not alone in having that response to it. And I was just awed by Yanagihara's ability to fix this steady gaze onto things and experiences and parts of humanity that most of us usually try not to look at at all. 700 plus pages of it. It's not an easy read. It also is not a book that I think you should power through just for the sake of it's tough and so I'm going to conquer it. it it's a difficult read and it's definitely not for everyone, but it just knocked my socks off at what she was able to do with her character. She sees and understands people in such a fascinating and really painfully real way. So that's A Little Life by Hania Yanagihara. It will break you into a million pieces and then you probably won't be able to read fiction for like several weeks after. So good. It is so good. It's a man, it's a tough one to recover from. <laughs> yeah, but the writing is just phenomenal. I mean, I couldn't stop. I just, I, just I couldn't either. Like that, a book that size usually takes me a week or two if I'm reading other things, you know, like I'll read 50, a 50 page chunk of that and then cycle in something easier. But I just kept, I kept putting it down and then I kept just, it was compulsive almost I'm having to go back and pick it up and find out what was going to happen. Even though I knew what was going to happen was going to be terrible. I just couldn't not know what it was. It's what she's done. There is some really, you know, dark magic. Oh, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> in my magically husky after dark voice. <laughs> The next book I'm going to talk about is also magic. It's called The Incarnations by Susan Barker. Um, this is one of those books that the longer I spend away from it, the more I love it. Like, sometimes oh, I read a so book and I'm wonderful. like, oh, that was really good. And then I think about it later. I'm like, eh, eh, but this and this. But this one, I just love it more as time goes by. Um, it takes place in China. It's about a man named Wang who drives a taxi in Beijing. He lives with his wife and daughter. And one day he climbs in his cab and he finds a note from someone that says, uh, we are soulmates. We have always been together uh, through many, many generations and many lives. And, you know, I know that you're married and all this stuff, but you actually belong with me. Um, and he's like, this is kind of creepy. You know, so he like asked her, like, is anybody playing a joke on me? And they're like, no. And so he takes it to the cops and they're like, get out of here with this ridiculous, you know, it's just silly. It's a love letter or whatever. You know? Oh, that's so unsettling. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. So he starts receiving more letters, um, and they tell about all the different lives that he supposedly has lived with this person. Um, and there's just, it spans, you know, hundreds of years. There's castles and emperors and concubines, eunuchs, pirates, the opium wars, the Mongols, priests. It's, you know, and in each version, you know, they're different things to each other. And it is so cool. It's just so cool. Uh, she's just done this amazing job going back and forth through history and these really inventive tales, you know. Um, I hate the term richly woven, but I kind of really <laughs> feel like that's what this is. I mean, it's so cool. Um, and so he, you know, you, you have to try and, like, find out, like, who is it? He thinks he has an idea who it might be, who's, like, playing. He still thinks, like, it's a prank for most of the book. Um, and it's so awesome. Uh, and I, I have seen it on a few end-of-the-year lists, which makes me very happy because this book is really, really awesome. Uh, and it also probably has my favorite cover. And oh. Go throw that down, maybe. Yeah. Um, and again, it's called The Incarnations by Susan Barker. I'm going to read that one. I will send it to you. Well, that's even better. I like getting mail from you. It's the best. Excellent. 
If you would like to get mail from Book Riot, here is my lovely segue into our next sponsor spot. I took this spot for Book Riot's store. Um, As we roll towards the holidays, Book Riot, uh, it's store.bookriot.com, has a ton of bookish gifts at all sorts of price points. You can get socks for $10. You can get coffee mugs, water bottles. You get tote bags, t-shirts. We've got really soft, great hoodies. All sorts of products for you and the book nerds in your life. We're running great sales in the store throughout the holiday season. And as you are listening to this, our free shipping day is coming up on the 17th, which is uh, Thursday this week. I was sitting here like literally counting on my fingers because today is the 14th. (laughs) So that's how numbers work. Uh, The 17th will be the free shipping day. It's also the last day to place an order that we're confident we can get to you to have it under your tree for Christmas Eve. So go to store.bookriot.com, check out our sales, order yourself some goodies, order some bookish stuff for your friends in your life. I think the stuff in our store is awesome and not just because I help make a lot of it, but mainly because it's so hard to buy books for book people and it's so hard to know what they've read and what they haven't read or what they're going to like. And sometimes it's tempting to like buy somebody the book that you loved and that you hope they will love, but you're just going to like force it on them even if it's not the right thing for them. So buy bookish swag instead. Um, Get free shipping on all of your orders on the 17th or place an order early if you want. If you're looking for great variety, we have our Best Books of 2015 box. It contains four of the Book Riot crew's favorite books of the year. I surveyed all of our contributors, and we put our heads together to create a really eclectic, diverse box that represents some of the best books that were published this year that maybe flew under your radar a little bit. Maybe some of the things on this show or in last week's show are in that box. I can't tell you. Uh, it also includes three great bookish items. So for 100 bucks, you get four books and three items, and they're worth more than the $100 that you pay. You could also, I guess, open up that box and carve the things up into other presents that you give to people. Lots of options, and there's still a box for uh, horror lovers as well. So all of those things are at store.bookriot.com. Check it out. Get your free shipping on the 17th, and give us a shout. Let us know what you purchased. I've spent an obscene amount of money on the Book Riot store (laughs) this year. I just got the Breakfast of Champions mug, which is, like, the most glorious mug I've ever seen. It's so good. It came in the mail on Saturday, and my boyfriend was like, what's that? And I unwrapped it. He's like, zoink. He took it. And I was like, my oh, favorite. okay. My favorite of the new mugs is there's a um, heat-responsive band books mug that when you look at it, like, some of the words are blacked out, like they've been redacted. And when you put a hot liquid into the cup, like when you're pouring your coffee or you're making your tea, the heat makes the black marks go away, so then you can see the full text. That's really cool. Which, that is dark magic right there. I don't know what sorcery that is, but it's nice. I want some more mugs like that. Maybe yeah, like to... maybe the giving <laughs> maybe... tree pushing the little boy down. Oh. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just get away from me, kid. We could do an all the books one, and when you heat it up, more cats appear. <gasps> brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right. While my voice holds out, I should go on to my next pick. Yeah. Um, This is one of my favorites. I feel like I've talked about it all year, but I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to keep mentioning it. The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma. Uh, This is a novel set in Nigeria in the 90s. It's about four brothers, and it's told by the youngest brother, Benjamin, who's nine at the time that the story happens. Their father is a big man. He is important in their town. He travels a lot for work. So their mother watches these four boys and their baby sister, and that's obviously a lot to keep track of. 
The boys are not supposed to go fishing. Uh, this is a thing that going fishing is considered beneath them. It's something that people of their standing don't do. It's something that their father constantly tells them that they can't do. So, of course, it's the thing that they do. The boys are always sneaking out of the house. They're going fishing at a nearby creek. And on their way back from one of their secret sessions, they get spotted. And they're spotted by the town madman. He shouts something at them that the oldest brother hears and the hearing of it sort of creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. Normally, you know, if the madman is shouting things at you, you would probably just ignore him. But the madman in this town has been known to have some prophecies that come true. So people are terrified of what he's going to say to them. What the brothers hear him say changes the fabric of their family. It changes the brothers' relationships with each other, and it changes the course of everyone's lives. In the foreground of the story is what happens to the family, but it's set against the background of what's happening in their town and the political landscape of Nigeria at the time, which is a time of strife and big transitions that occur. All of that's really interesting. The story is really compelling. But what made The Fisherman so unique and such a singular and memorable read for me this year was the language. This is just a beautifully written book. And it's so hard to describe what beautiful language is like in words. I am not articulate enough to do that, to really give good credit to Chigozi Obioma and how he structures this story and rolls out what happens to these boys and gives them voices that are so insightful in language that is so carefully crafted. It really feels like not a word is out of place, not a word is extraneous. Every single word is there and in the order that it's in for a specific reason. It's so wonderful. And that makes it an effortless read. Um, sometimes things that get described as being beautifully written feel like work because you're supposed to like appreciate the art of the language while you're reading. But this, it just washes over you and leaves you in awe of what he's done. And it's probably my favorite novel of the year, The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma. Also amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, yep. Everything that you say. Yes, 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 yes. How did it get to be like this time already? It's I don't it's know. It's me. Um, I'm gonna roll through these quick because you gotta get your voice, you know, back to bed. Um, so the next pick I chose is Escape from Baghdad by Sad Hussein. Uh, I'm pretty sure I also talked about this on the halftime show. I love this book. It was so entertaining. This is what Eddie Izzard would call like a popcorn book like he talks about how you can't some things you can't eat popcorn to when you're at the movies this is one of those books you just keep eating popcorn it's like oh 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 so exciting all these things going on all the time um it's about these two guys they are black marketeers uh, dagger and kinza uh dagger used to be a professor until the war put him out of work and kinza is pretty much a career criminal through weird circumstances they end up with the former star torturer of saddam hussein's recently collapsed regime uh, in their possession and so they're like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Do we ransom him off? Do we kill him? Do we just kick him out into the street? And he's like, hey, I have a, a proposition. If you uh, let me go, I will take you to where there's all this gold and we will be rich beyond imagination. And they're like, hmm, okay. So they go off and start this journey looking for this gold. It's very um, Three Kings, like that that movie with Ice Cube yeah. and Marky Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> and... Which sounds like a thing that's made up, but it's so real. <laughs> it's so good. That's such a good movie. So along the way, they encounter um, mad scientists and, you know, U.S. soldiers who are working both sides and librarians, secret libraries, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And every time you think you've it's get gotten the weirdest you can possibly get, I can't speak today either. <laughs> Words are so hard. They're so hard today. 
this is when you think it's gotten as weird as it possibly can, it gets weirder. But, like, awesome. Like, I was just like, oh, so entertained the whole time that I was reading this book. I mean, books are entertaining, but, like, they're, this is like, you sit down and you're like, oh, yeah, go, 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 go. You're, like, cheering them on, kind of. And the best part, maybe not the best part, but, like, one of the great parts about it is that this is really a book about how war sucks so bad. But it's wrapped up in this package as, like, this sort of catch-22 comedy, which is a great way to deliver your message. It really is. I think writing a funny war book is hard, but writing a really entertaining war book is even harder. Yeah. So, again, it's called Escape from Baghdad, and it's by Saad Hossein. All right. My next pick is one I talked about this summer when it came out, or maybe early this fall. I read it this summer. I don't remember when it came out. Mothers Tell Your Daughters. It's a short story collection by Bonnie Jo Campbell. It was really hard not to make like a jillion short story collections go on this list. This was my favorite one of the year. I also want to give shouts to I Was a Revolutionary by Andrew Malin Millward and Music for Wartime by Rebecca Mackay and probably a million others that I'll think about as soon as we end this call. Uh, but Mothers Tell Your Daughters is short stories that are all set in small town Michigan but there's something very Southern and gritty about the way they feel. Uh, these are stories about womanhood, motherhood, relationships between mothers and daughters, and not in the like women holding hands on a beach on the cover of the book kind of way, but about the like sort of ugly, difficult realities of womanhood and motherhood and being a mother and a daughter and just a woman in the world. Uh, there's a girl who falls for and is abused by her mom's boyfriend. There's a woman who thinks that her ex has been reincarnated into her dog. Uh, and my favorite story, probably the most memorable story I read this year, is about an old woman whose husband, who was terribly abusive to her through their whole life, uh, is delirious. He's dying. And, and while he's delirious and dying and lying in a hospital bed in their house, she puts his feet, uh, she brings a space heater up right next to his feet and convinces him that it's the fires of hell and that he's going to pay for how he treated her through their life. It's just so angry and wonderful. Uh, the stories in Mother's Tell Your Daughter are Mother's Tell Your Daughter's are about the damages that are big that are done to women, and they're about the small aggressions that add up to women being toughened, uh, to women being afraid in the world, uh, to women having to think about the fact that they are women going through life. They're unapologetic. They're cutting. They're surprisingly funny. I just loved the crap out of them. Bonnie Jo Campbell is amazing, and the collection, again, is Mothers Tell Your Daughters. She would go on the list of authors that I secretly creeped on at a literary event in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> she's so awesome she's been taking awesome photos on her book tour too of like this yeah, standee of, of Flannery O'Connor and of her book it's awesome when did you when did you creep on her oh at the National Book Awards oh yeah I wanted to go up to her but I was like <laughs> so I didn't because we all know how well that goes <laughs> alright my last pick this one just blew my mind. Oh, my goodness. It's You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine. And I, oh, you loved this book. I did. I actually drew the book cover on my Halloween pumpkin this year because I'm a nerd. Uh, it's by Alexandra Kleeman and, oh, my goodness, holy cats, amazing. Uh, it's in this unnamed American town. There's a woman named A, like the letter A, and she has a roommate named B, letter B, and a boyfriend named C. And it's just this bizarre, like, social commentary about the state of America right now. Uh, she's uh, not really into her roommate. Her roommate is really big on, like, them doing stuff together all the time. She wants to be just like her. Uh, there's this weird sort of cult that's kind of taking over the nation that revolves a little bit around candy cakes, which is the food that everyone's obsessed with right now. Um, her boyfriend really wants her to be on a reality show called That's My Partner, 
in which you have to prove that you know your partner better than the other people, and the losers of the show cannot have any contact with their partner or spouse ever again. Like, they're contractually obligated never to contact them again if they lose. It's just, it's so bizarre and amazing. I wanted to write down every single sentence in the book, practically. Um, I, I can't wait. This is her debut, uh, and I cannot wait. Oh, this is the one that last week I was like, oh, they made a candle out of it. This is that one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know. Everybody read it, I guess, is what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that's on my pile for Christmas break for Woo-hoo! stuff I missed this year that I'm going to catch up on. Oh, yeah. So strange and delightful. My last pick is also uh, social commentary in fiction. It's Welcome to Braggsville by T. Geronimo Johnson. Uh, this is about a kid named Darren Dixon who grows up in Braggsville, Georgia, um, which was very active during the Civil War. But Darren leaves Braggsville and he goes to UC Berkeley. Uh probably could not find a place farther from home, uh, at least philosophically. He could maybe go geographically a little bit farther, but you couldn't get any more different from Braggsville than Berkeley. He's taking an alternative history class, and he somehow mentions that his town does this annual Civil War reenactment. And he and a group of other students and their teacher cook up this idea that as a project, they'll go back to his town during the Civil War reenactment, and they're going to stage a a performance art protest. And the performance art protest of the Civil War reenactment is in the form of a fake lynching. All of this is a terrible idea for reasons that don't need to be enumerated, (laughs) and it plays out as badly as you think it's going to play out, but it's hilarious in a really dark, difficult way. Um, This is satire about the country's past and present issues with race. Uh, It's about our relationship to the Civil War and the way that that's been mythologized, the ways that we talk about it and the ways that we should be talking about it instead, Um, about what happens when small town kids uh, get thrown into, you know, liberal uh, educational environments and about some of the ways that liberal educational environments can misunderstand or twist or torque or you know, have the right intentions, but the total wrong execution of a response to problematic ideas and issues. I just loved it so much. It's it's weird. It's not too weird. Like if you're a person who typically reads like straight up fiction, this is not a stretch. You won't find it hard to grasp, um, but it's strange and surprising and just so smart. Uh, he wraps up this commentary in a story that is you're just unable to turn your head away from it. So you get what T. Geronimo Johnson is saying, whether you want to or not, but you want to, because it's great. Again, it's Welcome to Braggsville by T. Geronimo Johnson. I love that book. I know we had a a lot of good overlap this year in the stuff that we loved. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. So what are you going to read now? I... I'm going to read Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of Your Fist by Sunil Yappa. Um, It comes out next month, so I'm doing a little pre-reading for our January shows, but it's been talked about for like literally the last year in publishing. I think I've been hearing about this book um, since January of last year, and it's one of the launch titles for Lee Boudreau Books, which is a new imprint. Um, I'm hearing lots of great stuff about it. I don't know much about it. I've been like just noticing the fact that people are talking about the book, but actively trying to not know what happens in it. So I'm looking forward to being pleasantly surprised and coming to it as a fresh reader. What's up for you? I'm going to read The Guest Room by Chris Bojalian because he is seriously, he is such a stand-up guy. He's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Um, He's so great and his books are always wonderful. And this one, I don't even really know what it's about. I'm just going to read it because it's his. Uh, It says that 
it's the spellbinding tale of a party gone horribly wrong. Okay. Two men lie dead in a suburban living room. I hate when that happens at parties. (laughs) That happened to you a lot? It's a drag. And I have to change my name and move. And like clean the carpet. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. At least they're on the carpet. That's, you know, helpful. So, on that note, <laughs> on that note, I hope you feel better. Oh my goodness! I know I'll have a voice back next week yeah. for our nonfiction show. It'll be fun. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, FabFitFun. You can go to FabFitFun.com and use the code Books to save ten dollars on your first order or your first gift order for a friend or family member. It does make a really excellent gift. And don't forget to check out Store.BookRiot.com to stock up on all your book nerd goods from us. Free shipping day is December seventeenth, so don't miss that. You can drop us a line at all the books at BookRiot.com. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute and you want to give us a holiday gift, nothing is better than a rating or a review on iTunes. It lets us know how we're doing. We're reading the feedback, taking it to heart, and it also helps fellow book lovers who are searching iTunes for good book podcasts. And I'm pretty sure that this is one of the good ones to find us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who have been doing that lately. We've been seeing the bump. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. Um, And as much as we would love to tell you about more fiction books that we loved this year, we don't have the time. Uh, but you can read about more titles that are coming out and more books that we enjoyed in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter where you can learn about more new books. I, I, I can't believe the end of the year is here. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, have I have to start getting ready for our 2016 preview show. Yes. So excited. That's it for us. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.